Governor Tim Waltz of Minnesota has directly requested of Donald Trump that he declare Minnesota a disaster zone following the leftist riots that have plagued the city so that they can get access to emergency funding to help rebuild. And the federal government has said no. Now, some people are framing this as though Donald Trump himself said no, and that may be the case. I mean, the request was made of Donald Trump, but most of the news outlets just say it was it was the federal government. So I'm not going to put words in Trump's mouth. But the bigger question here is, should the federal government be giving money to these jurisdictions amid all of these riots? And there are good reasons to say yes and good reasons to say no. And I kind of lean towards no. You see, the issue here is that this is not a natural disaster. It's not like a hurricane or a volcano or something. Not that I think we have volcano disasters in this country, but you know what I mean. These are man-made disasters. These were people going out and causing this destruction. And you have, particularly in Minneapolis, a local government that overwhelmingly supported the calls made by these rioters. You see, they wanted to abolish the police department. The city council said yes. If you're going to have weak and ineffective police now, why wouldn't I assume that you had them before? And why then should the taxpayer at the federal level, which includes me and all of you, why should we be footing the bill? Because they can't properly enforce their own laws. Certainly, they could have sent out the police, the National Guard much more quickly to stop all the damage. And they weren't doing it as well as they should have, to say the least. Now, they did mobilize the National Guard in many places. But is it our responsibility that their local government couldn't take care of this? Now, maybe you might be saying, Tim, there are innocent civilians, victims of this violence, and they need help. And that's true. Unfortunately, you need to get out and vote because your own city council has voted to abolish your police. I think that right there sends a very powerful message to the federal government saying you're not willing to enforce the law to the, to the extent they need to be enforced. And if we give you this money and you rebuild, what if another riot happens and you're not going to have a strong enough to police department, police department to actually deal with this? Seems like it might be wasted money, in which case you need to solve your own problems. By all means, I think there are good arguments for the inverse, for, for actually helping these people. Maybe it's send in the funds, help rebuild these, these storefronts, these communities for people who had nothing to do with these riots, and then put some contingency upon it that you have to make sure it doesn't happen again. It's hard to know what the right move is, but this is certainly the move that Donald Trump or the federal government has made. But there's a bigger concern here, too. You see, across the country, we're seeing many jurisdictions facing budget shortfalls, and they've been facing budget shortfalls for a lot longer than the riots have been going on. So perhaps these requests aren't really being made necessarily in good faith, and perhaps this money would be wasted. You see, New York, New York City particularly, has had an ongoing budget crisis for some time. How convenient that they're calling to defund the police and the city's just saying, "Okay, we'll do it when they're trying to find seven point four billion dollars to deal with their budget shortfall. Governor Cuomo has really been trying to get money to the federal government. And many people have said, no, 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 no. You see, this budget shortfall was well before COVID, well before these riots. The federal government should not be bailing you out for mismanaging your your uh, your states, your cities. And see, therein lies the problem. If people in these places keep voting for these policies and keep running out of money, we cannot just keep bailing them out. At a certain point, they are insolvent. Now, New York City is they're going to pull a billion dollars out of the NYPD. Convenient that their, met, their the, the metro system, the trains in New York are in desperate need of repairs. 
Unfortunately, I don't think it'll be enough. I mean, the tax base is eroding and that's what we'll get to. So let's just jump right in. Let's see exactly what the what the request was of Donald Trump and how this is going to impact this jurisdiction. And before we do, head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give, but the best thing you can do, share this video. You see, I am competing with all of these big mainstream media channels. I don't have the resources they do, but sharing the video really does help. More importantly, many of you who watch do not subscribe, and it really does help if you do, because it tells YouTube that my content is good. So if you haven't already, please consider subscribing, hitting that like button, hitting that notification bell. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous, right? Let's read the story from the Wall Street Journal. Federal government denies disaster aid for Minneapolis riots. A preliminary assessment found more than $15 million of damages directly related to fires. The federal government has denied a request from Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz for federal funds to rebuild and repair fire damage from the unrest that followed George Floyd's death. The Minneapolis Star Tribune reported that Mr. Waltz's spokesman, Teddy Chan, confirmed that the request for federal aid was denied, saying the governor is disappointed. Now, right off the bat, I'll tell you what. There's going to be a ton of conservatives and probably a lot of moderates saying straight up good. If the far left wants to go and destroy their own city, then the city should deal with it. The police should deal with it. Because I'll tell you this, and I, and I can agree w- with the sentiment right here. If you abolish your police and then people go and destroy things, you can't come to the federal government and then say we need money. Now, I, I know they just voted to abolish the police after the riots. But so what? The federal government comes in, bails you out. Then more riots erupt later because there's no police. And then you're going to be like, we need more money. Quick help. No, sorry, man. I think it's it's a bad precedent. Mr. Waltz asked President Donald Trump on July 2nd to declare a major disaster in a request to the Federal Emergency Management Agency because of extensive damage to public infrastructure following the death of Mr. Floyd on May 25th after a white. we, We know what happened. A preliminary assessment of damage found more than $15 million of damages directly related to the fires. Around 1,500 businesses were damaged. Among the public structures destroyed was a Minneapolis police station that was a focus of the protests. Quote, as we navigate one of the most difficult periods in our state's history, we look for support from our federal government to help us through, Mr. Shan said in a statement. Current estimates of the total damage exceed $500 million dollars the governor wrote in his disaster aid request. Now, let's be fair. They're asking for what it sounds like is $15 million, a little bit more. It's like 16 million. And their total damage is 50. So, you know, what is that? 15, 16, 17%. I don't know what the exact number of their request was, but around there, not the bulk. But as I laid out for you before, there's probably reasons why Trump is saying no way, no way. I'd imagine it's this. Minneapolis City Council votes 12 to 0 to abolish police department after death of George Floyd and will replace it with Department of Community Safety and Violence Prevention. Now, listen, I think we can do a lot in terms of police reform. But if you want to engage in this grand experiment, don't ask the federal government to give you the loan to kickstart your experiment. It's it's, in my opinion, not necessarily fair. Whatever it is they're going to try, it may work. It absolutely may work. I certainly think there are grounds for some kind of nonviolent, non-confrontational civil guard that can respond to nonviolent calls. But the instance of George Floyd and counterfeit money was a criminal action which could escalate to violence. And so you're going to you're gonna, you're gonna have to find that, that line. The story of George Floyd was that he was trying to buy stuff with counterfeit bills. When the police showed up, things got out of hand. 
And there you go. The rest is history. But what happens when there's an instance that's nonviolent, but could be violent? I mean, look, when you've got people dealing in counterfeit money or say drugs, you can argue it's a nonviolent offense, but many of these people may resort to violence. It's possible that if we use a nonviolent civil guard, they will be less inclined to do so. But that's an experiment they're going to undertake, and it may work. But should the federal government come in now and pay for all the damages as they launch this experiment? Arguably, no. Arguably, no. I'm sorry. But check this out. This is where the question actually, this, this is where the issue gets a little bit bigger. According to the letter, I believe this is, a, this is the letter that uh, they linked to that was sent to from Governor, this is the letter from Governor Tim Waltz to the Honorable Donald Trump. I think the letter is a bit respectful, and I understand what he's asking for, but let me read you this one part. The challenge of recovering from these fires concurrent with the numerous natural disasters is made even more difficult by the negative economic conditions triggered by the COVID-19 pandemic. In February, Minnesota had a projected state budget revenue surplus of $1.5 billion. We now face a $2.4 billion projected revenue deficit, a negative swing of nearly $4 billion. I feel for Minnesota, man, and all the states. Nobody expected COVID. But they're blaming Donald Trump for the, the reaction of these states. And Donald Trump has maintained his position. The states are responsible for how, these ha- for how they handle things. I'm not surprised that Donald Trump is now backing off and saying, no, you are responsible. Listen, it's not Minnesota's fault necessarily uh, that COVID is happening. It happened. But it's also not Trump's fault that it's happening either. The fact that Minnesota is facing this massive budget shortfall does not put the responsibility on Trump and the federal government. And more importantly, if we recognize now there's a massive economic disaster, perhaps it is a bit more prudent to the federal government to say we must be substantially more stringent with how we spend money. And thus, no, we are not going to give you 16 or so million dollars. I know in the grand scheme of things, 16 million sounds like not a whole lot. I think the actual number is 15,658,865. If we're all facing a budget shortfall, everybody, the federal government certainly is too. Maybe, maybe the reason they're uh, uh, cutting the budgets of all these police is because they're desperate to find money from somewhere. Maybe things are worse than we realize. Check out this story. This is from back on May 5th. NYC Mayor de Blasio says Trump is putting politics first in coronavirus response. He's a pure hypocrite. New York Mayor Bill de Blasio called President Trump a hypocrite after the president said he's not inclined to bail out states, especially those run by Democrats that have been left cash strapped by the coronavirus. De Blasio said Trump was willing to provide nearly $58 billion to bail out the airline industry, but not to the states, not to states to fund necessary public services like police and healthcare. He said residents are depending on the federal government to make state and local governments whole. You know what? I got to admit, I agree with the sentiment to to varying degrees. I'm no fan of Bill de Blasio. I think he's a hypocrite. I think he's granting preferential access, uh, preferential access to his particular ideology. And I have the story. I'll back it up. He's saying straight up, no public gatherings except for Black Lives Matter. So why should they get money if they're in violation of the Constitution? You want the federal government to be there to bail you out, but you won't uphold the Constitution of our federal government, which is supposed to be the law of the land. Well, then you know what, man, forgive me if I'm not going to cry for you if you are violating the Constitution and then getting mad when the federal government's like, hey, do your thing, man. They're going to let you do your thing in violating the Constitution, which I disagree with. And they're going to let you do your thing as your budget shortfall, you know, hits pretty hard. Now, to be honest, 
if they're going to give money to bail out big business, I certainly think they can give money to bail out state run programs as well. A lot of employees, a lot of a lot of individuals work for the state, for the public sector, in which case well, they need money too. they need to work. We need to get people back to work. But this goes back to the bigger point. If New York is facing a budget shortfall, you know where the federal government gets its money from, right? From the people that, who, who pay the taxes and the corporations who pay the taxes. But if the economy is slowing down everywhere, it's slowing down for the feds too. Perhaps the real reason is that the feds are worried about how they're going to be spending money. But here, you know, listen, the thing about New York is that they've had a budget shortfall for quite some t- budget shortfall for quite some time. So I can't say I'm surprised Trump rejected their initial request. This story from the Wall Street Journal, New York City's transit system faces unprecedented financial reckoning. Chairman Patrick Foy says the only way the MTA can avoid drastic measures is to secure 3.9 billion in federal coronavirus bailout funds. The reality is, this is from this is from today actually. The reality is New York had been facing major, uh, a major budget crunch for a long time now. The MTA, which is the train system, has been falling apart. This is why AOC chasing out Amazon was such a big deal. The Amazon deal was going to bring in 25 to 40,000 new jobs. That was a massive increase in the tax base. That's the individuals who will start paying taxes, which will give the city more money. And it's not just about income tax. Those people who move there need to find places to live. It's just, it's just massive economic expansion that will exponentially benefit the local government. Well, thanks to Ocasio-Cortez, they all left. And <laughs> well, now we can see what's happening. Ocasio-Cortez, talking about the increase in crime in New York City, said maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent. So they don't. So, so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have any money. So they feel like they're either they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry. You see, therein lies the big problem with New York. Do we bail out bad leadership? This, this is what I'm trying to tie together here. Governor Tim Waltz, I believe, has absolutely failed his state. Not like in every regard, but at least now. The local politicians in Minneapolis have failed their city. And what's their response to the fact that the police department is a function of the government? It's to abolish the police. But you want money for the riots? AOC contributed to the budget shortfall of New York City. And now she's trying to act like the fact that shootings are skyrocketing in New York is just people who simply need bread because they're broke. This is the problem. So you know what, man? I tell you what, I knew a lot of people growing up who had real problems with money. And at a certain point, you gotta stop giving them money. Come on, man. Have you seen a homeless person where, where they've, you know, you see them, you walk out of work every day and they ask you for some cash, you hook them up. And at a certain point, you're like, listen, man, I can help you out. But at a certain point, you got to help yourself, right? This is the problem with these cities. If we keep giving them money, if the federal government keeps bailing them out, they will never correct the problems. People will keep voting for these broken systems until someone finally puts their foot down and says, enough. The riots in your city were caused by your bad leadership. You fix the problem. And if the residents are upset by it, perhaps they should vote you out and create a better sound fiscal policy and policing policy. If Trump bails out Minnesota, it will only get worse, in my opinion. More than just statistics, 
the people lost in NYC's deadly holiday weekend crime spree. This is from this is from yesterday, man. The crime is skyrocketing in New York City. So what? Trump is just going to go around handing out cash? Listen, man, I'm mentioning that, you know, homeless. I've given tons of money to homeless people. I always do. And I've told this story before about how I once gave money to a homeless person and then he and then he asked for more. Or what about that person that, that, that the trope of the roommate who has no job and keeps saying, I'll pay you back later. I'll pay you back later. Every time you give them money for food, you disincentivize them from actually learning how to solve their own problems. You give, a man a, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach a man a fish, you feed him for the rest of your life. You give a man a fish every single day, the man will become dependent and just say, why bother if you're going to give me the fish? And we put up these signs everywhere that say, please don't feed the animals. They become dependent. Now, mind you, in truth, I actually am center left. I do believe government programs are good, but there's got to be some kind of limit. And we've got to have hard stops for when they fail. I do not believe, I believe firmly, and I've said this a million times, social programs are awesome, but we have to make sure we review and reassess and shut them down and clean them up when they go bad. Because listen, the benefits of the private sector are that a business that makes something nasty, like, you know, asparagus flavored ice cream, I'm sure most people wouldn't want to buy. It's got little asparagus bits in it. Listen, I like asparagus, but not with ice cream, right? That business would fail. People would be like, I'm not buying that. And there's no money. Now, imagine if the government came in and said, well, here's a million dollars. Keep making it. It just would not work. That's the benefit. The systems that don't make sense do not function. But with government, we keep pumping money into these things. The problems will never go away. Unfortunately, it seems for now, the only thing Trump can do is just say, hey, you got to survive on your own. Ideally, we could come together as people and say, this isn't working. Let's reevaluate instead of wasting this money. Instead, they keep wasting the money until they run out. Then they ask the feds for more money. And then the feds say yes or no. And they typically said yes. And that's just not going to keep working. All right. Now, I find it convenient. AOC says NYPD's $1 billion budget cut doesn't go far enough to defund police. I wonder why they're trying to defund the police. Is it because of uh, bad police behavior? I don't think so. I think if they came out and said defund the police on any other day, people would be like, nah, get out of here. So why are the politicians all lining up now to be like, sure, let's do it. Could it be that they need $4 billion to fix the trains? Listen, supposedly this money is going to go to social programs and stuff like that. Maybe it won't go to fixing the trains. But I'm not surprised that amid this massive budget shortfall, they're trying to find money wherever they can. And AOC is saying we got to do more. All right, go ahead and do more. But I'll tell you what, if you want money amid this crisis, and you've got a mayor that is, as I mentioned earlier, in direct violation of the Constitution. Why should they be entitled to funds from the rest of us around this country when they won't even protect the rights of their own citizens under federal law? De Blasio doubles down on support of Black Lives Matter protests in NYC from a couple days ago. He was asked directly by Wolf Blitzer. He said, you know, we can't do these events, these parades, these sporting events. And then Blitzer said, what about Black Lives Matter? And he said, well, obviously people care about this historical moment. Yeah, you know what? Spare me your waste of time, okay? We know that you've been facing a budget crisis for some time. You refuse to do what you need to do to stop the rioting. And now you have all of this damage across your city. I'm not gonna be surprised if they make any requests or they're unable to actually pay to fix these problems. I'm sorry, man, I think it's gonna get worse. I think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to keep getting worse. Empty Manhattan apartments reach record levels. 
landlords slash rent. I'll probably do a bigger segment on this for this for the 6, p, 6 p.m. block I do. For those that are familiar, it's at youtube.com, uh, YouTube.com slash timcastnews. That'll be at six. And I'll talk more about Manhattan collapsing. But now they're not going to have the money. So don't be surprised if New York now demands money from the feds. They've already done it. Trump already said he wasn't gonna. And they called and de Blasio called him a hypocrite. So maybe, you know, he's not going to give Trump money. Um, maybe he's not going to ask Trump for money. Sorry, not give, ask, request the money. But maybe this just proved Trump right. Think about it. You had the state, the city saying, Trump, we need aid. And Trump said, "Mm, I'm not going to give it to you. Then the riots broke out. And what did the city do? They mismanaged everything miserably. They were mismanaging COVID. New York City is the epicenter of all of these problems. So why should Trump be like, I'm going to give you money when you messed everything up? No, that's on you. And now people are fleeing Manhattan. 500,000 middle and upper class individuals have fled. The tax base is eroding. And this is bad news for New York. It really is. I don't know where they'll find the money. They were already in a budget shortfall. Maybe they won't. Maybe people will just continue to leave. The tax base will continue to erode. And this is the downward spiral, downward spiral of what was once one of the greatest cities in the world. It's not good news for America, man. We want New York. We want Minneapolis to thrive. But they've been under this very terrible management for a long time, and people keep voting for this stuff. Well, unfortunately, the people who lived there who kept voting for this stuff are now leaving. Maybe if you stopped voting for these things, things can improve. Maybe they'll move area. They'll move to areas where their voting power is diluted, and they'll be spread out among conservatives, and they'll stop voting in bad things. Or maybe they'll spread those ideas, and the bad things will spread further. I have no idea. But I will tell you, it's not all bad news. I want to leave you with some positive news. And I'll, I'll probably do an, another segment on this coming up later for those listening in the podcast. It'll be at the end and for those at six. But check this out. We have these videos of massive pro-police protests outside the police precinct in the Rockaways. You won't see this on mainstream media. Check out this video. Let me say this again. For the people who think New Yorkers are asleep, you sure about that? This happened on Long Island, Nassau County, a couple of days ago. So for the people who think New Yorkers are asleep, really rethink your response. New Yorkers do not tolerate crap. And we can see thousands of people marching in support of police. This is interesting stuff. I've talked about the need for conservatives and moderates to stand up and push back against the far left peacefully. And people are. It's incredible. Hopefully it remains that way, though there have been some clashes. The good news is that people who believe in fiscal responsibility defending the police and the rule of law are speaking up now. A lot can change in the next few months. So we will see how people handle everything that's happened. Are they happy with Trump's budget choices? Are they happy with their police departments? And are they upset with the Democratic leadership in their cities and states? I'm going to go ahead and bet yes. You know why? In Minneapolis, it doesn't matter what political faction you are. It stands to reason you're going to be mad at your government. The far left protesters boo and, and, and booted the mayor of Minneapolis. The governor sent in the National Guard against the rise of the protesters. I'm sure the far left is mad at them. They want to dissolve the government anyway. The, the regular old left is voting to dissolve their police, proving they're already unhappy with their police departments that with the far left. Conservatives are probably mad the police are being disbanded and everyone's going to be generally unhappy. So I think we may see some dramatic and major upheaval coming this November who knows what to expect. Everybody thinks they've got, you know, a lot of people think Trump's going to win. They think he's going to lose. Nobody knows. If you think you know, you're wrong. We will see how this plays out. There are so many moving parts. 
We can only make money assumptions. We can only make assumptions. But as for Blue Lives Matter, there have been many rallies across the country. Check out this Google search. You can see it's happening all over the place. This is interesting. I think it's good news seeing people stand up for themselves. But of course, there's been counter protests. Maybe it'll all die down after the election. I really doubt it. After the last election, a large group of individuals ran around D.C. burning stuff. And with the escalation of street violence and the escalation of the rhetoric, I think it's fair to say after this election, it could be substantially worse no matter who wins. And it could be worse because nobody will accept the results. I mean, look, in 2016, the left didn't accept the results. It's possible that if Hillary won, Trump supporters wouldn't have expected the results. But I don't buy it because a lot of Trump supporters didn't really expect him to win. And he did. If he doesn't win this time, I don't think people are going to accept it. And if he does win, I don't think the Biden people are, or, you know, there's no real Biden people, the anti-Trump people, they're not going to accept it. So what happens? Honestly, I can't say. I can't. But it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And I think for years, people will try and understand what happened. Was, was Trump winning or losing a result of his financial decisions, the decisions of the federal government? Was it the results of the riots? I don't know. We, we, we won't know until probably a long time for now. But hopefully everything stays peaceful. Hopefully peaceful protests remain peaceful and the escalation stops and things calm down. But I guess we will wait and see. November is just around the corner. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews, and I will see you all then. Come to see the bias inherent in the system, because I'm sure you've seen the title of this video, and now you're seeing on your screen the official Fox 59 story. Now, why is the title that I'm using very different from what they're using? This is the bias inherent in the system. I hope you like the Monty Python reference. The story says, Indy mother becomes second homicide along downtown canal in one week. Why isn't this story being politicized? Why isn't it national news? Because in this story, they mentioned that an argument erupted about Black Lives Matter and language, and that's it. What they don't tell you is that according to the father, what happened was this young woman was walking past another group who said Black Lives Matter. She responded with all lives matter. And for that, she was shot three times, once in the head. Now, it's a very difficult story to cover because the media doesn't tell us what's really going on. They use vague innuendo and don't tell us what really happened. And they know. Fortunately, Cassandra Fairbanks, a personal friend of mine and journalist, contacted the family to dig into the story and see what was going on. And it was confirmed to her from the father. That's what happened. Here's the story. Indy mother, second homicide along downtown canal in one week. They say an Indianapolis mother was shot and killed along the canal early Sunday, marking the second homicide on the canal in a week. According to the victim's family, the shooting started with an argument over Black Lives Matter and language. Eventually, the two sides separated and walked away from each other until witnesses claim the killer opened fire from nearby bridge and ran away. Let me just break this down for you, what the media, what this news outlet is doing. Black Lives Matter and language. The killer opened fire. The killer started it because she said all lives matter. And that's what we get. Here's the tweet from Cassandra Fairbanks. She says her father, Robert Doty, told the Gateway Pundit that the BLM supporters had walked by her and her fiance and said Black Lives Matter, to which Jessica responded that all lives matter. 
The Black Lives Matter activists had allegedly pulled out weapons during the argument, which prompted Ramirez to do the same. This led to them backing off, but not for long. An argument started and guns came out, but they worked things out. Unfortunately, they didn't drop it and waited for them to walk back through. And she was shot in the head, Doty told the Gateway Pundit. When, when asked how the family is holding up, Doty said one day at a time is all we can do. Her grandfather posted on Facebook that multiple black assailants shot her in the head. Why isn't anybody outraged about this? He asked in a post. Is it that BLM was involved or is it uh, or, or that it was young white adults that were the victims? I asked her dad what we can do beyond pushing the GoFundMe. He said, just keep pushing for justice. She deserves it. Her son deserves it. Now, I know and trust Cassandra. However, the Gateway Pundit is not a certified news outlet, according to NewsGuard standards. And to be completely honest, I think the Gateway Pundit has done some questionable things in the past. I don't use them as a source. However, what we can see here is that at least in this instance, the only real story, the only real news you're going to get is going to come from Cassandra Fairbanks and the Gateway Pundit. I think it's fair to say we can very easily see what this is an argument over Black Lives Matter and language. But what does that even mean? Come on, we know what it means. And it was confirmed now to Cassandra. This woman said all lives matter and for it, she was killed. And this brings us to the biggest problem we face as a country. Why isn't the media talking about this? Why won't the media say end the political violence? Why is it that for over a month in Portland, there has been riots an attempted breach on a federal building? Where is the news to say this is bad? Why can't a local news outlet come out and just say it? I don't know. I really, really don't know. I got to be honest. I don't see any reason why this outlet shouldn't just say straight up, this is what happened. This is the bias we get from the media. They say she shouldn't have lost her life. She's got a three-year-old son she loved dearly, said Ramirez. That was her fiance. Explaining to Jessica's son, Grayson, Grayson, that he'll never see his mom again has been the hardest part for the family. It's hard to tell, tell him his mom is in heaven. And if you want to talk to her, you have to look up and say, I love you, mom. Just one week earlier, two people were shot on the same part of the canal. During one of those shootings, a 14 year old uh, was, was shot in an attempted robbery. You see, you see what they do here? Look at this. They say, uh, described as an attempted armed robbery. Our message is that the canal is still a safe to, wait, 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 what, what? an armed robbery. What does that have to do with someone saying black lives matter and someone else saying all lives matter? I don't know, man. This story, this, this story to me is, is ridiculous and I'm sad. And so uh, my heart goes out to the family. I wish we weren't in this uh, current state of political chaos and crisis, but I, I wanted to lead with this story, but I also wanted to, uh, I'm going to show you some more. Look, man, crime is, crime is going up and whatever this political sister, whatever, whatever is going on is kind of crazy. The news won't tell you, okay? They're not going to tell you. Your perspective will be skewed. You will not realize what's going on in the streets. They will demonize the police. Crime will skyrocket across this country, and we're going to see the results of it. I don't know why the media wouldn't tell us the truth here and language, but I'll tell you this. Activists will use this gap in perspective to bolster their cause and sow more chaos. I want to bring you now to New York City, where the chaos is re- chaos is 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 reaching uh, a crescendo. I guess maybe not. 
Maybe it's going to keep skyrocketing. So I'll wrap up this, this, this portion of it by just saying, you know, I wanted to highlight this because it shows you, I think it shows you why we're having this difficulty, why it's so hard to have a rational conversation, why it's so hard to say we need police. We, we, we can't be slashing the budgets in this way. We can be, maybe we, maybe we can do reform. Maybe we can do, you know, demilitarizing things like that. Maybe we can create a civil guard of some sort. But we're not going to be able to actually deal with these problems. And, and, and very much so, they will continue to be, it'll, it'll get worse and worse so long as this is the, the, the news that we get when they don't actually give us. They're scared. That's it, right? The news media must be scared to admit it. Well, I bring you now to New York City. Known gang member puts an NYPD officer in a headlock in the Bronx while he tries to make an arrest and is cheered on by the watching crowd before fleeing. A police officer was filmed being caught in a headlock in the Bronx in New York. Cops suddenly lost control and the suspect held the officer's head for four seconds. Eventually, the officer fell to the ground and the suspect ran away. Throughout the incident, there was taunting as officers attempted crowd control. The person responsible turned themselves in last week, days after the event. The suspect was released without charge pending further investigation. New York City is about to ban police officers from using chokeholds. Officers who use the practice could find themselves with a one-year jail term. When you have a broken media that won't give you a... Listen, it's not just about that one outlet. It's about the fact that every single outlet in this country should be saying, this is getting crazy. But they don't. But they ignore it. And what happens next? Now in New York City, you're seeing the chaos. Now, look, this is just one story. A, a known gang member grabbed a cop, put him, in a, put him in a headlock, apparently. The cops can't do that. The cops are demoralized. The anti-crime unit in, in uh, NYC was reassigned. And what's happened? Crime has skyrocketed. Shootings are skyrocketing. Surprise, surprise. My point with all of this so far is that without an honest media to tell us what's really going on, we cannot make the decisions to solve the problems. I know I bring this bit up a lot. California's Prop 209, uh, they're, they're appealing it. But this is an important example as I move forward and show you what's going on in New York. And, you, and I'll end with a bit of, I guess, catharsis. New York is collapsing, by the way. In California, the Assembly, the State Assembly and Senate have voted to repeal their anti-discrimination law, basically saying that, you know, by repealing this language, the state will have the right to discriminate based on race. But they call it the Affirmative Action Amendment. This is what happens when your media lies to you. Come November, people are going to see on the ballot, do you support, support or oppose the Affirmative Action Amendment? And people are going to go, oh, beep, and they're going to click Affirmative Action, yes, not realizing it's a name. And the actual text of the bill would strip them of their civil rights. That's what happens when you don't have a media telling people what's really going on. Perhaps if the national level media was saying a woman was murdered for saying all lives matter, shot in the head, you would have more people standing up and saying we need our law enforcement. Don't get me wrong. Look, I understand that they do. The media does cover a lot of these stories. But which, 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 you know, what really bothers me, I see these journalists do this all the time. There was one post where they said, isn't it funny how people always say, why is the media talking about this? And then it turns out they did and no one cared. And I'm like, do you see this story that I just, the first story I showed you? Black Lives Matter and language. Maybe if they told you what it was really about, it was about politics, you'd have a better understanding.
Here's what uh, um, Michael Brendan Doherty said about it. The upshot of this story is that a three-year-old learned a powerful lesson about what not to say. You see, they know, they know what really happened. He's linking to a story that doesn't actually mention the phrase all lives, ma- all lives matter. But these people know they won't tell the average person, but they'll tell each other. They'll tell themselves. We have another really crazy story. This, this video is going viral. Uh, two elderly men were stabbed in shocking, unprovoked NYC subway attack amid surge and violent crime in the Big Apple. As New York Sheriff says, we're starting to lose control. They're losing control because the media is not honest. It's not entirely the media, mind you, but the activists have the edge. The extremists have the edge. They can come out, they can say whatever they want, and they will get favorable coverage. Do this. Google search Antifa. And you know what, you know what pops up right now? There are a bunch of stories saying the truth about Antifa. They're not really all that bad. They're actually peaceful. Yep. And then when they engage in violence and, and, and terrorize people and loot buildings, and, and they've been besieging a federal courthouse in Portland for like 40 something plus days. Those are the stories you don't get. They then, they, they, when, when you bring that up, they say Antifa isn't real. It's not real. There's one I love the other day. I, I mentioned this. They actually had a guy who claimed to be a, a executive director for a self-avowed Antifa organization with members, with funding. And then they go on to say, but Antifa isn't real. This is what we can expect to happen, man. The, 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 the crime in New York City is, is, is their own doing, and so be it. But what's really scary about what we're seeing is that one thing I've mentioned a lot is morality policing. That we're seeing in New York, for instance, they paint Black Lives Matter, Mayor Bill de Blasio says straight up, no public gatherings allowed, but Black Lives Matter is allowed. It's not just about policing. Our society is starting to adopt an overt, I'll call it a, a, I call it a religion, but they've been adopting it. And I sit back and I find it shocking because what this means as the Black Lives Matter mantra truly now represents intersectionalism, non-theistic religion, you are seeing that this religion will become the law of the land, even with the Constitution. They have found a clever workaround. The workaround is that legally, intersectionalism is not recognized as a religion, though it should be. This allows them to break the barrier between church and state. You have people who believe things that are not founded in science, they're founded in faith. They inject it into science, and now they can claim it's real. White fragility, all of these weirds, the whole, look, social sciences is being infected. I'm sure many of you are aware of the Sokol Squared hoax, where uh, to, uh, it was it was James Lindsay, Peter Bogosian, and Helen Pluckrose enacted this this long go, long going uh, scam, maybe not scam but hoax, where they got fake scientific papers published in many journals. Our our scientific community, our academic community, has been infected with has been inundated with a non theistic religion. Our media is now doing the same. Our major corporations even our police, local governments. We're hearing that there are more charges being dropped for Black Lives Matter rioters across the board in several different jurisdictions. We're seeing that you can paint Black Lives Matter in the street, but you can't paint All Lives Matter. I got no problem if you want to express your free speech. I understand some of these things are permitted. But seeing this story out of, uh, out of it, I believe it's Indianapolis, this is, this is part of the problem that we, we, we have a spineless media that is not willing to stand up and talk about what's going on. In response, you are going to see your homes. These fights, these battles will not be happening in some far off place. 
I mean, many of you don't live in New York City for sure. NYC summer crime surge has many causes, but bail reform coronavirus jail release is unlikely to blame. This is what we get. The media will ignore what's really happening. Now, I think regular people know. I think regular people know what's going on. That if someone murders you for saying all lives matter, the media won't cover it. The national level, level media will not cover it. No one will know. And the family can beg all they want for justice. And the media will not cover it. Now, what do you think would have happened if it was inverted? If the all lives matter person shot the black lives matter person, it would be the front page of the New York Times escalating white supremacy violence. The NPR ran a story where they showed a picture of a victim in her car being attacked by rioters. And then they made the headline seem like this was a white supremacist attack. This is what's going on with our media. And I'm worried, will regular people in this country, will they see through this? And do they know? I think the scary answer is for the most part, no, they won't. They're, they're not going to see the, the, the high level stories about the, the, the woman being killed. They're not going to see the, you know, this, this woman in her car being attacked. Some people will. Maybe they'll be personally affected and maybe they'll tell people. I imagine the family of this young woman who said all lives matter will go around telling people. But I got to be honest, the fact that this young woman would say all lives matter. And, you know, I've, I've done some in, uh, digging into the story. It, it really does seem legit. And I've seen what their family posts on Facebook. They're already Trump supporters. Are they going to convince anybody? Maybe, maybe not. What you need to happen is that, first of all, every person who, you know, who's on the right would have to vote for Trump. But Trump and, and, and the Republicans, conservatives, have to convince moderates to support them. And that's the big challenge when you are being banned from social media when the, and when major newspapers are lying. I want to show you something I find interesting. And I don't know, uh, uh, I don't, I, I, this is just Zillow. You're looking, for those that are familiar with what Zillow is, it's a real estate website for finding properties for sale and uh, rentals. I went to New York City and I decided to look at properties for sale, any property for sale in the last 30 days. And what I found was 7,684 results. I don't know if that's a big number. Some people are saying it is. Some people are saying in the past month, the amount of uh, uh, real estate that's gone up for sale is skyrocketing. So let me do something in real time for you. Right now, you are seeing an active Zillow page with 7,684 results in the past 30 days. Let me, let me go back 90 days. In 90 days, there are 12,175. That means there's around 4,500 or so posts that happened three months ago. So, so, so let, me, let me break this down. What happened in the past month? How about widespread riots? Mayor Bill de Blasio siding with the extremists, allowing them to do their thing. And what happens? Three months ago, we have about two, you know, 2,750 people put up their property for sale. Maybe that's a lot. Maybe a month after that, we see another 2,750. But then something happened in the past month where 7,600 properties went up for sale. In one month, that's, that's almost triple the amount for the months prior. Now, my math is, is not perfect because I don't know exactly how much went, you know, went up for sale in those two months. But listen, if three months, you know, two, uh, uh, three months ago, 
you have or, or two months ago, you had these two months where there was an average, you know, 4,000. And then in one month, another 7,000 stands to reason that people are fleeing the cities. And we know it's true. We've seen the data. Half a million uh, or so middle and upper class people are fleeing New York City. I don't know what this is going to mean for the rest of the country. I don't, I don't know what it means for the election. I don't know if it's too late. Some, some people will be able to register. Some people probably won't be able to register. I think a lot of people will be able to register to vote in other areas. Maybe, you know, a lot of these uh, urban liberals will go and vote for Joe Biden in some other place, but I really doubt it. A lot of people have brought up that if people flee New York City, which is heavy blue, and they go to red areas, they will flip the suburbs to support Joe Biden. I don't agree with that. You know why? If somebody has the understanding to flee a city over what's going on, do you think they're, they're going to vote for Joe Biden? Why do people flee New York City? Um, the numbers are going up right now, probably due to the rioting and the morality policing, the weakness of government. Do you think these people, I mean, many of them, maybe, but I think most of them are fleeing and saying, gotta vote for Trump. You know, man, we live in uh, interesting times, to say the least. And I've had a lot of conversations with people lately about where's the right place to go? What's the right thing to do? And I honestly, I'm going to do what's right by me. I'm getting out of the cities. I'm leaving New Jersey. New Jersey is, is probably the worst when it comes to COVID. Everything here has just been, been mismanaged and completely awful. So now, I mean, you can see it. But I wonder if we're going to get any journalists doing a deep dive into, say, what these, what, what these people leaving. Do some interviews. No. Journalists don't care to cover the things that make the movement look bad because the journalists, as far as I'm concerned, are either completely terrified to admit what happened. I would ask Fox 59 in, 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 uh, in Indiana, why didn't you just say an argument broke out versus Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter? Why is it that we're not seeing, you know, front page stories about the ongoing assault in Portland? Some dude got shot in there with a tear gas canister. There's a viral video of him just gagging up blood. Of course, they called 911, tried, you, you know, you know, use, use federal, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, use uh, emergency services that they're protesting to actually help them. But we don't hear about it. The only way you'll hear about it probably is if you watch channels like mine and others like this. And unfortunately, I got to tell you, man, while things have been really good for my channel on the, uh, on the, uh, on the growth front, there's, there's, no, there's no comparison, man. I mean, look, Tucker Carlson getting uh, highest cable TV ratings in history, 4.3 million on average, and a ma- massive amount, like 780,000 in the key demo. I'll tell you this. The crazy thing is I'm fairly confident I get way more views in the key demo than Tucker Carlson does. Granted, he's, I mean, he's, he's a huge show, so he's got a lot more reach among the older, older crowd. Even with, uh, I think in the past month, I've had about 77 million views across my channels, a little bit more, actually, because there's some other channels that um, like, like Scanner, for instance, but that's not really political. 77 million views. It's good. But when you look at CNN, 300 plus million, when you look at CBS, ABC, NBC, it's, it's just no question, man. We may be the actual resistance, you know, the people who are paying attention, who are seeing what's happening and talking about it, but it might not be enough. Maybe no matter what happens come November, it doesn't matter if you know or don't know. So let me end by saying this. I'm, I'm sad for the family. Um, I'm mad that the, this is not a bigger story. Uh, I think it should have been a front page story like this is huge. Will they not talk about 
the Trump supporters who get attacked. They don't. And so most of my friends think that right wing violence is more frequent when, in fact, there are high profile instances, instances of extreme, you know, extremist violence. I don't necessarily want to say right wing, but like fringe, far right, whatever you want to call it. The far left engages in violence on a regular basis. If you want to go by the numbers, we have 42 plus days of violence in Portland. The media doesn't cover it. And so people don't know and they can't vote for something if they don't know what it is. And they'll vote for the wrong thing based on being misled. I think the most important thing you can do is speak your mind and tell people what's happening and share these stories with them. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. We live in trying times. Over the past several months, there have been a series of unfortunate events, most notably the loss of life just across the board, be it from police brutality or because of the riots. The first and worst thing we should mention is that it's a shame that we would lose even a single life. And now I believe we have a couple dozen who have died. But also businesses have been destroyed by COVID and by rioters, and people are truly suffering right now. I think one thing people truly want is justice. And unfortunately, we will not get it. For one group of people, it will never be enough. In Atlanta, when an officer killed a man named Rayshard Brooks, they charged him with felony murder. It wasn't enough. The officers in Minneapolis in the George Floyd incident were all arrested as well. The riots continued. It wasn't enough. Now in Portland, in line with many other cities, the criminal charges against dozen of dozens of Portland's rioters have been dropped. Of course, like we see with so many news outlets, they say protesters. I'm sorry. This includes people who arrested on felony charges, including arson. The charges were dropped. At least in the more extreme cases, it would seem that a grand jury refused to indict these individuals. Perhaps it's because the people of Portland want to see this action, want to see these people succeed, or perhaps because the prosecutors are terrible at their jobs or even worse, purposefully inept. They want these people to get off. I can't tell you why, but in line with everything we've seen around the country from New York to Fort Worth where and Chicago, where now thousands of people have been released without charge following the widespread riots, I have to wonder if this is just the next step in morality policing. Look, I'll tell you, it's one thing. If you've got somebody in, say, Chicago, there was around 800 plus individuals who were released who had the charges dropped. They were low tier nonviolent offenses related to protest, maybe obstructing a roadway or something like that. And Kim Fox, the attorney most famous for letting Jesse Smollett off, said that they didn't have the budget. The budget was slashed and it's just, they're not going to pursue it. I wonder why they didn't just, I don't know, try to find some of these people. But when I look at that, it's, it's you know, I can't say I, it's it's un, it's. I don't know. It's, it's bad. I'll put it that way, that we're seeing all of these people violate CDC guidelines, violate the lockdown orders amid all of this chaos. And there's no justice. There's no penalty. There's nothing for it. But this is the worst I've ever seen. I don't know why it's happening, but felony arsonists are being released. I want to talk to you about justice. I want to start with this story, but I've got another story for you as well. The man in Seattle who drove his vehicle on a highway hitting two protesters. His family says he is a supporter of Black Lives Matter. He, in fact, is a black man. GoFundMe took down his fundraiser for a defense. This is not justice. Even the worst, the worst of the worst 
are granted a public defender or some right to defend themselves in court. And through the private sector and and, uh, the expansion of the internet, it would seem we're actually losing our rights as these big tech companies take away the commons. There will not be justice so long as this continues. And unfortunately, I can't tell you what the solution is. Perhaps Section 230 reform will bring back speech. I think that's the first thing we need to do. But I don't know if we can accomplish it. There's so much that would have to happen by November. And not only that, it's just one, one brick in the wall that needs to be built to protect justice, civil rights, etc. Let's read this story here from KGW8. Criminal charges against dozens of Portland protesters dropped. A review of court records showed 59 people arrested during Portland demonstrations had charges dismissed, including several people arrested on felony charges. I'm sorry, you can't call them protesters. When these gatherings result in violence, we had uh, just the other day, a federal officer was, was struck in the head with a hammer. I don't think it's fair to say these are demonstrations or protests. And sorry, and, and, and maybe even riot isn't acceptable either. When you have felony arsonists attacking public buildings, federal courthouses, it's something well beyond this. They say dozens of protesters arrested during mass demonstrations in downtown Portland have had their criminal charges dropped and cases closed. KGW analysis of police and court records show that Multnomah County District Attorney's Office dropped charges against at least 59 of the roughly 400 protesters arrested since mass demonstrations started in Portland in late May. They're still going on to this day, mind you. They have not stopped. Most of the dropped charges were misdemeanor offenses, such as interfering with a police officer, disorderly conduct, and resisting arrest. Now, I want to stop there and say, I'm not... I'm, I'm not really that perturbed by misdemeanor offenses, disorderly conduct being dropped or resisting arrest. However, the problem comes when the snowflakes form that avalanche. Across this country, we have demonstrators who are getting away with going out, doing whatever they want. And this is at a time when people are told to stay indoors. When they would criticize Donald Trump for holding an outdoor rally, they would criticize the anti-lockdown protesters but this is okay. And when these people actually get arrested for a crime, the charges are dropped. That is not justice for the businesses that were destroyed, be it by COVID or the riots. This is not justice. Nine cases dismissed by prosecutors involved more serious felony charges, including riot, arson, and theft in the first degree. In one case, Portland police arrested a 25-year-old protester for allegedly setting fire to a Chase Bank in downtown Portland on May 30th, the second night of large-scale protests in the city. The Portland resident was charged with arson, criminal mischief, and riot. KGW is not naming the person because charges have been dismissed. Now, it's fair to point out as well, one of the reasons the charges may be dismissed is because they can't prove it. And I want to make sure I state innocent until proven guilty is, an, is one of the civil liberties that I would absolutely love to uphold, particularly the Fifth Amendment, the right to due process, etc. However, it's also possible that the tactics used by Antifa and the far left have obscured their identities and made it very difficult for prosecutors to get charges against them, in which case we are still not going to see justice. Even if the person arrested was the wrong person, then the perpetrators are getting away with it. A Multnomah County prosecutor described in a probable cause affidavit how the person bragged about using a Molotov cocktail to start the fire and talked about plans to go out on another mission. And the goal would be to set another fire. When confronted by detectives, 
The person admitted to being present when the fire started, but denied sending it according to court documents. And there's a challenge. Is this a dumb kid bragging to friends, talking big, and there's no hard evidence? If there is reasonable doubt, then I would say they're not, uh, you know, then, well, then they're not guilty, right? However, a grand jury indictment is not that. A grand jury indictment is probable cause. A trial by jury determines reasonable doubt. Grand juries typically return indictments fairly easily. If there's, if this person bragged about doing it and there is evidence that they were there, then a real jury should hear what they have to say. Unfortunately, the grand jury in Portland wouldn't do it. They say a Multnomah County grand jury heard evidence in, in the case and declined to return an indictment. All charges were dropped. It is not clear why other cases were closed. Charges can be filed later if they are submitted within statute of limitations, the time limit allowed by law. Prosecutors sometimes delay filing because they need additional investigation or police reports have not been forwarded to the, to, to the DA's office. Through a spokesperson, retiring Multnomah County District Attorney Rod Underhill declined to comment. Mike Schmidt, who assumes the office on August 1st, previously said he would consider dropping charges against nonviolent demonstrators once in office. My approach is really going to be thoughtful and review the cases and think about what prosecutions are necessary for public safety. Schmidt reaffirmed during an interview with KGW. I want to I I read that for you one more time. Mike Schmidt, who assumes office on August 1st, said he would consider dropping charges against nonviolent demonstrators once in office. That is the city. If you live in Portland, I can only assume you support what's happening. And Donald Trump, maybe you got to send in feds to protect these buildings. I honestly don't know what you do. If the residents of Portland don't want your federal courthouse there, then what do you do? If it's going to be besieged by these protesters and violent rioters and the prosecutor says the nonviolent ones get a free walk, what do you do, man? Schmidt noted many other protest cases that are still open have been delayed due to COVID and temporary court closures at the downtown Justice Center, creating a huge backlog. Schmidt said once in office, he plans to work with experienced prosecutors in the Multnomah County DA's office to decide how to handle protest cases, really to ensure that our resources are best spent to ensure public safety. Over the past two months, Portland police have provided almost daily accounts of alleged criminal activity surrounding demonstrations, including a list of names of people arrested, their ages and charges. KGW's review of court and jail records found most of those suspects do not spend any time in jail. Instead, they're often given a citation or booked and released. The city clearly likes what's happening there. So then what's the real problem? It would seem that the violent rioters that are attacking the feds, the federal courthouse, the only complaint the city has, or I'm sorry, there, there is no complaint. The city likes the attack on the federal government. That's the only thing I can assume if they're going to say this. On June, if, if the police are just catching and releasing, people are not getting charges and they're going out and doing it again. The cops must like what they're doing. And it's U.S. Marshals guarding this courthouse. Maybe that's the real battle. Maybe the local jurisdiction doesn't like the federal government. On June 15th, Portland police, police issued a press release detailing the arrest of 14 adults related to overnight demonstrations. The protesters range in age from 19 to 52 years old. The charges listed by Portland police included disorderly conduct, interfering with a police officer, resisting arrest, escape in the third degree. Court records indicate charges against all 14 defendants have been dropped and their cases are closed. What, do, what that does is it makes arrests meaningless, said Josh Marquis, former Clatsop County District Attorney. 
The former prosecutor was not involved in these decisions and believes it would be unfair to give demonstrators who violate the law a free pass. It is incomprehensible to me that you could have downtown Portland destroyed the way it has tens of millions of dollars in damage and say, well, there's no accountability for that, explained Marquis. Prosecuting arrest cases are not always a slam dunk, said criminal defense attorney Victoria Safarian. A lot of times because of the Portland community being so liberal, we see people acquitted of low level charges. Safarian explained police officers have broad discretion whether to arrest someone during a protest. For example, an officer could charge someone with misdemeanor disorderly conduct for blocking traffic. That decision doesn't always hold up in court when scrutinized by a jury. Were they intentionally obstructing traffic or were they actually intentionally screaming their First Amendment rights? Whatever they are saying, like Black Lives Matter, are not intentionally obstructing traffic when doing that. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler believes prosecutors have a duty to go after the most serious crimes related to protests, saying, if people are engaged in serious criminal activity, things like arson or boarding up a building and trying to set it on fire, those people should absolutely be criminally prosecuted. If you don't, that encourages people to engage in further acts of criminal activity. Well, as we now know, several individuals on felony charges are going to walk. Perhaps they're innocent. That's the most important thing I can say. Maybe the reason the charges are dropped is because there was no legitimate evidence. Perhaps it's because the grand jury was presented with crummy prosecutors or the prosecutors just could not make the case. I will not make the assumption just because they were arrested that proves they were guilty. However, that still means there will not be justice because those who did start those fires, well, they will get away with it. I want to talk to you about the broader implications of what we're seeing with morality policing because it extends to the digital level. I bring you now to this tweet from Rawa. This individual is liberation for the African diaspora. And she says black block. And that's her, her account. The Colette family is raising funds to cover the legal expenses for DeWitt Colette following the July 4th incident. Learn more about how you can contribute through DeWitt's GoFundMe here. This man on the right, DeWitt Colette, is a black man. He worked for DoorDash in Seattle. Somehow he entered a closed freeway was driving down the freeway when he came up around a bend and there were vehicles obstructing the road. He swerved to the shoulder to dodge them. On the other side was a large group of protesters. He swerved to dodge them and unfortunately struck to killing one. He's been arrested and charged with vehicular homicide, which is a manslaughter charge, meaning an accidental death. His bond was set at $1.2 million. This to me is shocking. The man clearly made a mistake. It was an accident. But many leftists have tried claiming that it was a directed attack, an outright murder. I don't think we can prove that. And I think based on the evidence we've seen, it stands to reason this dude is just, well, he's dumb. The police in one statement, at least, or in a couple statements, said they believe he may have entered the exit ramp of the highway because they had used police vehicles to block the on-ramps. Perhaps it was intentional. Perhaps he just made a wrong turn. Wrong turns happen. These protesters have been blocking the fe- this, this uh, highway. It's, uh, it's an interstate for, I believe, around 19 days. I wonder why none of them were charged or arrested. The police said it was easier just to shut the highway down and not deal with it. This was in Seattle, mind you. This individual is now facing prison over what seems to be an accident. The family says that he is a supporter of Black Lives Matter. This woman, Rawa, says, thank you to all those who have donated and shared my you know, GoFundMe, unfortunately, or my tweet. Unfortunately, this campaign has been wrongly suspended. Rawa then tweeted out this tweet. GoFundMe has suspended DeWitt Colette's GoFundMe due to alleged violation of its terms of service. 
There's been no addition, uh, additional comment provided by the company. Ironically, they are promoting their justice and equality uh, fund. DeWitt, a Black Lives Matter supporter, deserves the right to a fair trial. She's right. Look, I can tell you my perspective on what happened with DeWitt Colette, but let me just tell you this. I don't know. We can all speculate. I've seen the videos. I've made my assessment. I just told it to you. But perhaps this dude is evil. Regardless, he deserves a fair trial. That is a civil right. And he deserves to have fair representation. Well, it's not always easy to get fair representation. The GoFundMe that was put up for DeWitt has been shut down. Campaign not found. It's gone. And some people note that you can still go to the fundraiser for Diaz Love. Diaz Love, one of the victims, has raised $87,586 of a $100,000 goal. I highlight this to say with, with the utmost sincerity, I'm glad she's getting this money. I'm glad the fundraiser is successful. I'm happy to see that she is going to receive money that will help her with potential treatments because she was hit by a car. And I believe uh, Diaz is the one who survived. It seemed to be an accident. And regardless of what they were doing on the highway, maybe they'll face charges. If people choose to give money to this individual, that is their prerogative. She's raised a large sum of money. I hope it helps her heal. And I hope she gets better. Nobody, I'm not happy to see anybody lose their life. But it is a serious problem when we enter now a reality where digital institutions are taking over the commons. And that means there will not be a fair trial. So as for these these individuals who got hit, I believe they shouldn't have been in the highway. And I believe it was an accident. But I also believe they need to be helped. Uh, It's sad this woman died for sure. There's only a certain level of sympathy I can have, though. I mean, if you're going to dance on a highway, and I mean that literally they were doing the Cupid shuffle. Look, sometimes accidents happen and you're playing in a roadway like an interstate. It seems like this DeWitt Cleta guy just didn't know what was going on. Didn't know there was a protest, didn't know what was up, and maybe was recklessly driving. I think $1.2 million bond is extreme. But you know what? It's not up to me. It's up to the justice system to work out the innocent until proven guilty. But here's what I want to point out. In Portland, they said that oftentimes the liberal residents refuse to bring up indictments in grand juries. Why was this Duet Calite indicted, charged with these crimes? Were there not liberal grand juries in Seattle? I mean, Seattle and Portland, very close. They have very similar political, uh, political demographics. Was there not a liberal grand jury to see that this is a, you know, a lower middle class black man who engaged in an accident? Could they not have said, based on the video we've seen and the evidence we've seen, we refuse to return an indictment? Maybe there was no grand jury. I don't know. I'd assume there would be. Maybe not. Maybe in this instance, it's a guy in a car. He got stopped at the scene. The cops arrested him. And the court said, here are your charges. But regardless of how the charges come to be, why is it that you can have someone caught on the scene of where a fire started who admitted to their friends they did it? And the grand jury, or for whatever reason, no indictment, no charges. No one will hear the evidence. There will be no attempt at prosecuting this individual. But this guy driving on a highway, well, he's going to get arrested. $1.2 million bond. I mean, it's fair to point out this guy killed somebody. I personally think it was an accident based on the footage. I get it. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe he maybe he really wanted to go on the highway. But according to this one individual, he's a Black Lives Matter supporter. So it really does seem to be he's, you know, it, it was an accident. It doesn't mean he's innocent. I mean, he was driving like the moron going on, you know, going up the exit ramp, presumably, or somehow getting on this highway. Maybe the police failed. Maybe the police claim they blocked the on-ramp. Maybe they didn't. 
Maybe the police were just about to block it. And that's how he got on. Maybe he got on earlier before the protests and he was having car trouble. No idea. Maybe he pulled over on the shoulder because he thought, thought something was wrong. Then they closed the highway down, started driving again. I don't know. These are things I guess we'll hear in a, a criminal trial. Our free speech is under threat. Our right to a fair trial is under threat. These big tech companies are taking over common spaces. The commons is a reference to the spaces held by the public. If we used to have our, uh, our speech events and our discourse at churches, around the workplace water cooler or in the parks, you know, the famous, I believe it's Hyde Park in, in, in the UK. I'm not entirely sure where uh, for, they have speakers corner where people come and speak and they'll be heard. They'll stand, their, stand on their soapbox. This is all being pushed now to digital spaces. Then these companies will start shutting down speech. And this results in results in certain ideologies becoming more prominent. And it results in possibly the majority getting oppressed. But we also have general funding. When it comes to taxpayer funding, we have a system for this and we have public defenders. However, with access to GoFundMe, GoFundMe allows certain people to have legal defenses and others to not have legal defenses. This is where things start to become lopsided and we lose our civil rights. If one person commits a crime and GoFundMe says that's someone we support, they can raise $100,000. But if it was DeWitt Colette, a black man, they shut his fundraiser down. Not you. You do not get to defend yourself. But this is a guy who is a black male supporter of Black Lives Matter and needs the ability to defend himself. Well, he gets shut down. Innocent until proven guilty. Gone. Because once again, the court of public opinion doesn't care. And that's cancel culture. The digital world is eroding all of our basic civil rights. And how we deal with this, I don't know. Cancel culture destroys your life, whether you're guilty or not. We've seen many stories of people who have been framed. Colin Wright, a researcher, made a big thread about how cancel culture often results in people being falsely accused and losing their jobs or having their careers derailed. The problems are getting worse, and we can see it manifest in the real world. Once they start shutting down certain speech and there's an imbalance you will then see these ideologies spread to every sector of our government and our cultural, cultural institutions. Then arsonists will get released. And people driving their car and getting into an accident will be placed in prison with no right to a defense. If we don't stand up and do something soon, this is the world we're facing. And it will be 10 times, 100 times, several orders of magnitude worse. Again, I don't have all the solutions, unfortunately. But I do think Section 230 reform is, is a step in the right direction. For those that are not familiar, Section 230 is what gives these big tech platforms immunity from liability in terms of defam- defamation for being the platform by which certain speech is published. But within this, they're granted leeway to remove content they deem to be objectionable or harassing. If Section 230 is reformed to say that you, can't, you can only remove illegal speech, then there will be a rebalancing of political discourse, something that the far left really doesn't want because clearly they're dominating. But the rights of regular citizens are being oppressed. And if you don't deal with this, you will end up with a very far right government. It will flip the other direction when people start to revolt the other way. I'll leave it there. I don't know what's going to happen in Portland, but the protests, the riots, the extreme actions, they're still happening. And I'm not going to tell you what should or shouldn't happen with DeWitt Colette, but I will tell you he deserves a right to a fair defense, period. 
I'll see you on the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you there. My friends, we may be dealing with the scandal of the century. That's right. The biggest scandal ever. Donald Trump put out a t-shirt. And you know what this t-shirt had on it? An eagle. And do you know what the eagle was doing? It was resting atop the American flag. And do you know why this is the biggest scandal? Well, according to a fact checked from USA Today, Trump campaign accused of t-shirt design with similarity to Nazi eagle. And they say the claim is, wait for it, true. Oh, no. Oh, no. Our president, Donald Trump, is secretly putting out Nazi images. <gasps> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. The media is full of it. It's ridiculous. And it's technically true because the symbol of America, of the Speaker of the House, of the Marines, is also an eagle resting atop some kind of sphere. This has to be one of the stupidest stories ever. But you may have seen this floating around if you've been popping up on Twitter, seeing what people are talking about. USA Today, an old story. This is actually from like a week ago where apparently, uh, what, what was this? The advocate emblem on Trump campaign t-shirt resembles Nazi symbol. And you know what? To people who are really dumb, really dumb, they see this and they're like, oh, it looks the same. The president is doing this. I saw so many tweets from people who are like, the president now overtly putting out Nazi symbols. Here's the funny thing. And uh, it'll be a little disrespectful. You see, the image that Trump is using for this T-shirt is like a it's like it's like a, a, a what is it? A Creative Commons or something like a commercial pre buy graphic you can get from like a vector. It's a like clip art. It's like you can go online and you, they, they took it and they just slapped Trump on it. That's what they really did. You want to criticize Trump for anything? Criticize him for being lazy, or at least his campaign. They went to some commercial thing. They spent two bucks for the rights to it or something, and then they slapped it on a t-shirt. And the media, eating up whatever garbage this is, rolled with it. Now, I ignored this story at first because it was dumb, but USA Today ran a fact check saying it was true. How stupid is this? Fact check. Donald Trump has something on his head that looks very much like something Hitler wore on his head. <gasps> they both have hair. I'm going to show you what's up. Check this out. Fact check. Trump campaign accused of t-shirt design with similarity to Nazi eagle. The claim. The Trump campaign uh, shirt features imperial eagle, a Nazi symbol. The similarity was first noticed, according to Forward, by two Twitter accounts, Ben the Ark, Jewish Action, described as a Jewish progressive group, and the Lincoln Project. Oh, the Lincoln Project, an anti-Trump group formed by Republicans. Yeah, the Lincoln Project was supposed to be something about resisting Trump and saving the party of Lincoln. And instead, they've become the party of getting Democrats elected, or I'm, I'm sorry, that they've become the, the, the Democrat elected project or whatever. The president of the United States is campaigning for re-election with a Nazi symbol. Again, Ben the Ark tweeted. Several Facebook posts have noted the similarities as well. One user noted, Trump is now selling straight up Nazi propaganda t-shirts. Man, these people don't have Google or they're lying. The Trump campaign pushed back hard on this idea. This is moronic. In Democrats America, Mount Rushmore glorifies white supremacy and the bald eagle with an American flag is a Nazi symbol. They have lost their minds. Tim Murdoch, Trump 2020 communications director, said in an email, and he's right, they did. 
I had a friend send me to this. Did you see that Donald Trump did this? And I did a Google search. I'm like, here's 10 things from various American institutions and graphics showing an eagle standing atop something else. It's on the back of the quarter, dude. You ever look at a quarter? There's an eagle and it's sitting atop like a sheath of documents. It's like, it's like grabbing some documents or something. Look at this. America's use of the eagle. The Great Seal of America was developed in 1782 and also features a right-facing eagle, though the bird's talons are spread, one holding arrows, the other holding an olive branch. Only one authorized Great Seal is in official use and operated by the U.S. Department of State. The Great Seal is impressed upon official documents, such as treaties and commissions. The Department of State affixes about 3,000 seals to official documents only. But the eagle is widely used, but the eagle uh, is widely used in American political imagery. The office of the American president and many cabinet level uh, offices have official seals that also incorporate an eagle as the central design. According to the White House website, the presidential seal includes the president's coat of arms, eagle, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we get it. Now, let's go down. The campaign t-shirt for sale on the Trump website is called the America First T. The design includes a left-facing eagle holding a round emblem, blah, blah, blah. Forward also reported the eagle was a stock image based on sleuthing from Twitter. The stock art linked in the Forward article has since been removed. This is insane, man. Look at this. Look at this. Our ruling. Wait, 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 wait. Where'd you go? Just load it on me. Come on. Don't do it, USA Today. Our ruling true. The claims that a Trump campaign t-shirt have come under criticism for using a symbol similar to the Nazi eagle is true. You disgusting, dirty. Oh, man. I'm sorry, dude. Enemy of the people. Are you kidding me? They're not fact checking whether or not the, the imagery is actually a Nazi symbol. They claim that's the fact check, but they're really fact checking whether or not someone criticized him. Talk about despicable, loathsome, slimy, evil. I cannot stand this in, insane BS. The claims that Trump was being criticized for this symbol well, what are you talking? We all saw the tweets. Trump gets criticized for anything. Oh, someone criticized Trump for having a, uh, his hair being made of a dog. True. Is Trump's hair made of dog? True. The claims that Trump has been criticized for having dog hair is true. Sure, man. Sure. Based on our research. But it is worth noting that the eagle is a common symbol in American politics and is included in the presidential seal of the U.S. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the tweet. The claim. Trump campaign shirts feature Imperial Eagle, a Nazi symbol. Our ruling, true. Clarification. The claim that Trump 2020 has put out a t-shirt with a symbol similar to a Nazi eagle and is being criticized for it is true. Worth noting, the eagle is a longtime U.S. symbol too. Oh, it was just the criticism. Do a correction. Issue a, a retraction on this trash. You trash news outlet. Oh, but of course, they're going to get their good old green check mark from NewsGuard, green across the board, even though they put out this fake trash. You know what, man? I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're supposed to do as, as a country, as a community, as a culture, when this is where and how people get their information, when we can see it all day, every day. And those of us who are paying attention know they are lying every single time. Okay, I'm exaggerating. Not every single time. Obviously, I use their sources too. I use these sources. I try to fact check them. And this is what we do. When I saw this story, I ignored it. This story is old. This story came out. What is this? The 2nd, July 2nd. I said, I don't care about this stupid trash. 
But now they're trying to double down on this complete and total BS. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the website of the Speaker of the House, the Honorable Nancy Pelosi. Everyone give it here. Oh, there's Nancy Pelosi. She's, uh, you know, she's mourning for the lost uh, souls who have, dev- who have died defending this country. Let me just, uh, let me just click this here website. And while we're sitting here, you know, I'm going to press some uh, buttons. Uh, what's, oh, you see this, the, the screen is getting a little bigger. Um, getting a little bigger. Oh, 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 oh. Now at magnitude 500%, what do we see? Why, what's that? It's an eagle sitting atop a sphere. In this instance, it is the earth. It is an eagle facing to the left with its wings spread, very much like the same exact shirt Donald Trump was selling. The eagle is in, in Donald Trump's image was standing atop a sphere. The sphere was the Ameri- was the American flag on the inside. With Nancy Pelosi, the seal of the speaker, it's the same exact thing, except the, the, the bald eagle is on top of the earth. How incredibly stupid is everything? Did anybody go there and go, oh, Nancy Pelosi's symbol looks just like the Nazi eagle? Brr. It gets even better. Benny Johnson says, wow, I can't wait for USA Today to reach out to Speaker Pelosi about this Nazi symbol that she wears every day. Is this truly a threat to our democracy? Why, yes. On Nancy Pelosi's uh, chest, I guess, she has a a pin, and it appears to be an eagle atop a sphere with its wings out facing a certain direction. You know what, man? This is a stupid game they play. Milk is racist. The OK sign is racist. Frogs are racist. What's next? Cookies, cinnamon buns, granny's old apple pie resting neatly upon the windowsill to cool baseball. How about that? Yes, they're literally going there. Mount Rushmore is glorifying white supremacy. Next, they're going to say our American pastimes, baseball, apple pie, all of that stuff. The symbol of the Speaker of the House, Nazi symbol, they say. These people are insane. And you know what? I ignored the story for the most part because this is how insane it is. These, these morons on Twitter do not a news story make. When all the morons want to go on Twitter and go, Oh, Donald Trump put out a t-shirt. I ignore it. Then USA Today, a week later, doubles down and says, actually, it's true. And then when they get called out, they go, actually, we were saying it's true. He was criticized for it. We can see the tweet, dude. We know they're criticizing him for it. Not only that, Trump could fart. And there would be, there would be 50 news stories across every major outlet. Donald Trump farted. What does this mean about his health? Is Trump dying? Does Trump have IBS? Dare we say yes, says remote physician who lives in the Cayman Islands. This is what they do. It's what they do all day, every day. And I'm so sick of it. It's not news. It is not news. And now I've got to dedicate a segment to debunking the BS. Yeah. This is the world we deserve. It's the world we get to live in. Well, I'm sure you're all happy that at least uh, um, I'm here, as well as many others, because we do need to call this out when we see it. Whatever, man. Hopefully this can exp- like, you know what? It's so absurd. Maybe you can share this video and be like, listen, this is how the news is fake. OK, and eh, people just don't want to believe it. Whatever. You know what you said today? You? I'll see you guys in the next segment coming up in a few minutes. I would love to just start laughing right now, but I'm not that kind of a show. You know, I don't do YouTube videos where I laugh and I play circus music or whatever, but I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to sit back and allow you all to laugh for as long as you need to laugh. Just just let it go. Hollywood's identity crisis. 
actors, writers, and producers warn of reverse racism in the film industry, which has created a toxic climate for anyone who is a white middle-aged man. Dare I say, anybody can laugh at this. Are you an intersectional leftist? Do you think middle-aged white men are not deserving of sympathy? Well, then by all means, feel free to laugh at these people. Ah, but wait, are you anti-SJW? Then by all means, feel free to laugh at the people who will now reap what they hath wrought. I don't know if that what works. They'll reap what they sow. Hollywood is known for its woke BS. Okay. They want to get woke. Okay, fine. But now these people in the industry are going, oh no, not me. You mean I can't get jobs anymore? I met a dude in Hollywood and he was speaking out against this. As soon as he spoke up and said, this woke stuff is racist and crazy, he was out. They were like, sorry, bro, you're out. He's like, whatever, I don't care. Check out this story. Okay, I'm not going to read too much at the beginning because they do this narrative stuff. I really hate narrative news. They're like, it, as the wooden boards are taken down from shop fronts and the studio lots grind slowly back to life. I don't care, dude. Tell me what happened. Let's scroll down. They say a revolution is underway. White actors are being fired. Edicts from studio bosses make it clear that only minorities can be given jobs. A new wave of what has been termed by some anti-white prejudice by some as anti-white prejudice is causing writers, directors, and producers to fear they will never work again. One described the current atmosphere as more toxic than Chernobyl, with leading actors afraid to speak out amid concerns they will be labeled racist. Good, because you are all racist. Okay, not all of you, but let me tell you something. There's a famous quote I would like to recite. I'll do my best. Forgive me if I get it wrong. I have a dream that one day my four children will live in a country where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Probably just paraphrasing. That's Martin Luther King Jr., the famous I have a dream speech. Man, that means a lot to me. It really, really does. And I mean that with all sincerity. I would love it if we judged people based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Now, in Hollywood, it's one of the few industries that they're actually allowed to discriminate because you need to in casting. So when it comes to entertainment and media, if you're doing a movie and the role is like an Asian male, you can literally say we are hiring an Asian male. But in any other job, you can't do that. Well, this has apparently gotten to their heads. And now you're going to reap what you've sown. You worked in this industry. You supported these ideas. Well, too bad. Okay, too bad. This is what you get. Here's what they say. I don't see myself casting a white dude as the lead in my movie, Peel said, as Jordan Peel. Not that I don't like white dudes, but I've seen that movie before. What movie? What does that mean? You've seen a movie with a white guy in it? That's a weird thing to say. As one studio executive responded privately, if a white director said that about hiring a black actor, their career would be over in a heartbeat. Few doubt it. Peel is more vocal than most about his hiring policy, but his outlook is increasingly widespread. Dozens of producers, writers, and actors have spoken to the mail on Sunday about the wave of, quote, reverse racism pulsing through the industry. Please stop. There is no such thing as reverse racism in this context. Reverse racism literally would mean reversing racism. That's not what this is. This is just regular old racism. Okay. Yeah, please. What do they say? Um, Speaking on the condition of anonymity, the executive confirmed that the climate is now toxic for any white middle-aged man in show business. Their careers are pretty much over. They continued, we're only hiring people of color, women, or LGBT to write, star, produce, operate the cameras, work in craft services. If you are white, 
You can't speak out because you'll be instantly branded racist or condemned for white privilege. Cry me a river, dude. Look, I get it. I'm no fan of racism. Quite the opposite. I think it's horrible what they're doing. But how long have y'all sat around either agreeing with it or saying nothing? If I just sit here and keep my mouth shut, they won't come for me, people say. You know what, man? I have been talking about people needing to speak up for some time. More recently, I've been a bit more aggressive about it. And I've gotten a lot of response from people who say that it's unfair. It's unfair that I would say this. I don't have kids. I don't have that responsibility. I can say what I say and no one's going to fire me. Listen, I worked for a woke company. They were going to pay me fat stacks, mad cash. And all I had to do was bend my knee. And I said, sever my contract. They said, no, they paid me a hefty sum. It was a great salary. It was a lot of money. It was a massive contract. It was a Disney company. And I said, I refuse. And so I walked away. Eventually, the contract expired. I could have done everything right. I could have made way more money. I could have moved on to the bigger and bigger companies. But I said, no, I won't do that. I started my own company. I took that risk. Now I get it. I don't have kids. But let me tell you something. If you've been sitting there saying, I can't speak up because I have a family, it's not that easy. I can respect that you want to protect your family. I really can. But let me just show you what this story means. For each of these people in Hollywood who said the exact same thing and now can't get work, they will not feed their kids. So feel free to sit back and wait as the fuse just goes off because eventually they will come for you no matter what you do. And staying silent is not an option. Okay, you need to tell people, I do not accept this. It's racist, okay? We want to make sure we're being fair to, to minorities, to marginalized people. We want to make sure we are presenting a real opportunity and we're not going to discriminate. We need to make sure that we do not allow racists to discriminate against people on the basis of race. Everyone. And to be fair, if done right, you should start to see over time racial parity in the workplace. What does that mean? It means that your working environment at a certain level would look like like how the country looks. You know, you've got 13% of the black community. You've got, I think it's like seven or eight Latino. Actually, I think Latino might be a lot bigger than that. Maybe like, you know, 18 or 19. I think Asian is like five or so percent. And then you'd have a smaller percent of mixed race people, about 3%. That's just because if you're hiring people for, for you know, uh, for their character, then eventually you'll find that the numbers even out. What we're seeing now is the inverse. They're just playing to a trend and they're telling white people they're not going to hire them. It's just regular old racism. Okay. We should not be doing this, but I got, I got to be honest. I got to be honest to give my sympathies, um, and, and partial agreement to Jordan Peele. I actually kind of agree to a certain extent that when it comes to casting discrimination is it's, it's kind of okay. Kind of, I say kind of, because like I mentioned before, they actually have an exemption in discrimination because you want to hire for a specific role. You want that person to fit a certain character build. Like my hero is going to be a white 40 something man. My hero is going to be a young Latina woman who's the main character. Then you're only going to cast them. To be fair, I do think we have, I, I do like the idea that when it comes to movies, we can make movies that speak to other communities and give representation to people who might not have seen it before. But the difference is 
the jobs outside of this. I really do think casting for lead roles, it makes sense to have diversity, 100%. I brought this up a long time ago when, uh, when Captain Marvel came out, and I said, listen, if you make three major movies, and those movies are all just white men, I would not personally think it's out of the question if you then said, we want to do a movie that has an Asian male lead or an Asian female lead. By all means, do it. The bigger problem I have is when skill jobs and character-driven work is based upon your race. That has nothing to do with anything. I really do think it's important to point out, however, in this video, a lot of people don't get this. A lot of people, I would say the anti-SJW and more right-leaning individuals, that there really is that there really is a profound effect on people when you grow up in a society where you are a, a severe minority. You know, you'll look at billboards and what you'll see. You'll, you'll see Captain America. Chris Evans is a white guy. You'll see Thor. Chris is that Hemsworth. Yeah, he's a white guy. You see Iron Man. It's a white guy. I personally, I don't really care. But if Jordan Peele articulated his idea better, I'd have no problem with it. If he said. The real issue for me is that the overwhelming majority of movies are very similar, and I want to I give character representation to communities that aren't used to it. I'd say, totally, bro. I'm down with that. I'm a big fan of Into the Spider-Verse, because Into the Spider-Verse was, in my opinion, like diversity done right. You had a character. Main character happened to be Afro-Latino. Didn't matter. The story was a good story. You see, that's the issue. For me, what it means getting what going broke is when you shoehorn in a slap in the face level politics. If you make it so your whole industry is just saying no to white people, that is toxic. If you make it so that your industry is hiring people based on their ability to do, to do the job, and the job is craft services, makeup or whatever, that's what you want. If you want to do movies because you have front facing individuals and you want to make sure you have diversity, that I actually like, I do. But if it's done right, like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, you know what I love about, about this? You had Miles Morales. I, I, I hope you've seen the movie because it's really great. And I, I'm, I'm, it's kind of old now-ish. So I'm spoiling it. Miles Morales, Afro-Latino. This movie exemplifies everything done right about diversity. He's just who he is. His race doesn't matter. You see his family. You see, you see their culture, their community, how they, how they you know, uh, live. And it represents them. But he's just a regular dude. And he meets Spider-Man. Actually, a Spider-Man entrusts him with an important task. Spider-Man's white and blonde. But it, it wasn't an issue. It was literally just a young kid looking up to Spider-Man. And then he meets a new Spider-Man from a different dimension who's out of shape and middle-aged. And the race doesn't matter. We can do diversity right. And this is not it. This is toxic diversity. That's what I'll call this. Toxic diversity is when you condemn, attack, belittle someone on the basis of their race. It's racism. When you try to create this system and instead you just demonize or make people their race instead of making people who they are, that to me is toxic diversity. So I have a tolerance to a certain degree with what Jordan Peele is saying. I can, I can sympathize for sure. Not when it comes to craft services, though, man. If somebody wants to make me a sandwich so that you know when I'm on set, I can have a sandwich. I don't care what your race is, dude. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care about your, your ethnicity. If you want to write a story, I don't care about any of that. I actually like, within reason, actu like legitimate, fair and balanced diversity. Making sure that race, you know what real diversity is supposed to be? Preventing the racists from being racist. Okay, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like, yo, yo, hey, 
Are you really going to avoid hiring the person because of these reasons? That's not cool. Instead, they're just doing the same thing. So you know what? For these people to now speak up, I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry about it. Look at this. Nathan Lee Bush says, anyone who dares speak up is canceled. Well, you know what? You better start speaking up now. You better do it now. It's going to affect everything. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up for you in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. In my previous segment, I talked about how, how in Hollywood, there are many white people starting to speak up, but mostly privately over fear that they will be canceled in their industry. My only response is, if you don't speak up, then who are you going to come and cry to when they come for you? You think you're safe not speaking up and pushing back against the extremism from the far left? You're not. You're just biding your time until you are out. A lot of people say, but I have kids. I can't do it. That's fine. I get it. But it's only a matter of time before there's no one left to speak for you. Perhaps you never heard the poem. First they came for, they'll eventually come for you and there'll be no one left to speak. However, this segment is good news. You see, across the country, people are starting to speak up. And I hope they do so more. Not because we have to agree with who's doing the speaking, but that we want a restoration of the balance in political discourse. Across this country, Blue Lives Matter rallies in parts, Blue Lives Matter rallies in part of the country see peaceful counter protesters and protesters and clashes. Now, listen, I'm glad to see that Blue Lives Matter people are, are getting out and rallying and they're, they're rallying in large numbers. In fact, I'm impressed. I'm inspired. And I'm grateful that people are willing to defend what they believe in. The peaceful counter protesters, you also have my respect 100%. This, this country needs a balanced political discourse. And though we may never agree, I love the idea that Americans stand up for themselves and speak to what they believe in. Violent clashes, not cool, not okay, back off. But for, for look, Black Lives Matter people that have been coming out in large numbers, and, and I have tremendous respect, I do. You might not want to admit it, but it takes a certain level of, I would say, aggression and strength to do what they've been doing. They won't back down. They will scream and they will claw and they will fight and they will get fired. It was a guy who worked for Taco Bell, wore a Black Lives Matter mask. They said, take it off for your fight. He said, OK, I quit. Well, he didn't say it like that. They fired him, right? The point is, this guy was like, I would rather lose my job than take my mask off. And while I disagree with their ideology and I find a lot of it, the intersectionalism, to be gross, you got to give it to them. Hey, man, they're, they're standing up for what they believe in, and it works, and they're winning because of it. And that's why I'm so happy to see people pushing back. Because I'll tell you what, the violent rioters and extremists, not a fan at all. Lock them up. The people tearing down statues, not a fan. Lock them up. But over in Portland, when aside from the you know 40 plus days of rioting, when they just went in the street and laid down, put their hands behind their back, my respect, 100%. Because this, is, this country is founded on protest. It's founded on, to be honest, violent revolution. But the base of this government now is the right to a regis of grievances. Why? I mean, the, American, the, the, the government wants to avoid. The founding fathers, want, they want to avoid the violent clashes. But they recognize they exist. That's why we have the Second Amendment. But I don't like violence. And we want to preserve this country and the union for all the good things it has done. So when you speak up and peacefully protest... I respect it. I disagree with some of the deception, manipulative tactics. You can argue those are peaceful, but I think they're a violation of people's rights when you lie to manipulate cancel culture, for instance. But it's about time the right has pushed back to restore the balance. 
Newsweek says, as demonstrations against systemic violence and racism by law enforcement uh, give rise to an opposing movement to defend police, Black Lives Matter supporters held counter demonstrations during back the blue rallies across the U.S. on Saturday. Black Lives Matter demonstrators gathered in New York and Florida on Saturday, while back the blue protesters held their own rallies nearby. As Blue Lives Matter protesters demonstrated in Florida's Orange Park near Jacksonville, a group of Black Lives Matter supporters participated in a rally across the street. Despite their disparate goals, interactions between the opposing demonstrations were not openly contentious. In New York, tensions were more evident when Black Lives Matter protesters attended a Brooklyn Back the Blue demonstration on Saturday. Videos shared to social media showed at least one dispute between demonstrators became aggressive. Not fun. Not okay. According to CBS New York, the rally drew hundreds of pro-police advocates to the boroughs uh, uh, where people organized a march to support the New York City Police Department. I like it. I like it. I'm glad people are speaking up. But I have to wonder, if you worked for, say, I don't know, McDonald's, and you looked out the window and saw a big old group of people waving, you know, Trump flags, why wouldn't you put out a pro-Trump message on Twitter? Because you know they won't. And I think the issue is that media is controlled by the left. So let's talk about what you can do. And we'll read a little bit more. But first, let me tell you, one thing you can do first and foremost is just speak up for yourself. If you do not, they will still come for you. You will not be safe. There's no, there's no future where you can sit back and let this stuff happen. We have learned from history what happens when you refuse. But more than that, you can go into journalism. Yes, it may be difficult. Yes, if you get hired at one of these companies, you are facing an uphill battle because many of these people are far left. But do what they did. They infiltrated. And then once they were in large enough numbers, they pulled off the masks and now they own it. It's happening at the New York Times. It may even happen to the Wall Street Journal. If you are conservative or moderate or independent or just oppose intersectionalism and you're on the left, then you need to get jobs at these companies and slowly start standing up against it, speaking out in, in, in calm ways or getting more people to work there so we can rebalance political discourse. So far in this country, the imbalance has been so severe that it's mostly been an escalation of the violent extremist left and nothing's being done about it. I mean, some of these people get arrested, but they're getting released over in Portland. They, the, the charges were dropped on felony arson and rioting. So this is a good first step, and I'm glad to see it. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm not glad to see and why the speech is so important. If the right doesn't speak up, and they can't on, on social media, it's very difficult because you can get banned. But if you're not going out there and peacefully protesting, what's left? Violent leftists taking the streets. And then we get this story. Federal officers shoot Portland protester in head with less lethal munitions. The video is graphic and gruesome. I don't know where the dude got shot in the head. He got shot in the face. They said he was a peaceful protester or whatever. I don't know. All I know is he was out during the 40 plus days of violent riots affecting Portland. And one of the officers fired a less lethal round, hit him in the face. And there's a video of him on the ground, totally out of it, gagging up large amounts of blood. It's one of the most brutal videos I've seen from these protests in a long time. I don't like the video. It does not make me happy. I will not laugh. It freaks me out. I don't want this to happen. I want people to have peaceful protests. Fine. If you want to peacefully protest for months, you're allowed to do it. This is America. and We have the First Amendment. But the violent riots are escalating. And without a real balance in political discourse, you get the rise of extremists. Because listen, here's how it works. No one on the right speaks up. The left runs rampant. The local governments say, well, these are the only people who care, so we'll give them what they want. 
This leads to a dramatic escalation in the far left. This is also why I've been saying Section 230 reform to help conservatives get back in the conversation when they're being banned. But if you can see a healthy balance between left and right, well, then these courts are going to be pressured to make sure they're being fair. But the right has been chopped off. And now things are starting to skew further and further to the left. Because of this, local governments are just releasing these people. The violence is escalating and the police return in, in, in kind. And you get this video. I'm not going to show you, man. The dude's standing there holding up a sign or something. Someone does something in the fire and then boom, you see him. In the, he just goes down. They're holding him. He's flopping around. He's out of it. He's covered. His face is covered in blood. And I don't know. His skull was fractured. And somehow the blood from his skull, it's like in his throat and he's gagging it up. Extremely brutal stuff. We need this to stop. Okay. But the rioters in Portland won't stop. And when they get arrested, the grand juries release them. This is all stemming from speech issues. When people only hear one side of the narrative, they believe it. You, if you don't know, how can you, if you don't hear it, how can you know? So what happens? The prosecutors say, this person did this. The jury says, well, I've only heard from, you know, from Willamette Weekly or whatever that public, far left publication is, that the protesters are the good guys. So I don't want them to go to jail. Free to go. Then they come back and they get more violent. And then you get this. I don't know who this guy is. Innocent until proven guilty. All I know is he got, he got, he got shot by a less lethal round. And as much as I'm, I, I hope he's okay. Apparently he is. He's got, he's gone to surgery, facial reconstruction surgery. It was a, it was a serious hit to the face. Like I'm telling you, man, this video is brutal. I hope he's okay. I hope he does well. I hope he recovers. I cannot, however, you know, pass all responsibility onto just the police. When you enter a conflict zone, you have chosen to enter this conflict zone. And I know full well, cause I've been in dozens of conflict zones. And every time you go in, you know what you're getting yourself into. We need to tone everything down. And in order to do it, we need a restoration of real political discourse. But with social media, first and foremost, it just amplifies the extremes. Then big tech favors one side and they rile themselves up. When two people are only saying back and forth each other, the right is bad, the right is bad, the right is bad. They keep escalating. Then on the right, you have a separate echo chamber. What's on the left is bad, the left is bad, the left is bad. Everybody needs to calm down, man. So listen, we have back the blue. We have Blue Lives Matter. And the videos, I've seen some of them. They're inspiring. Just another big protest. I like it when people stand up for what they believe in. That to me is real strength. I hope that the protests on the right can help to restore some of this. Maybe if these big tech companies can feel the pressure, they'll be forced to, to reinstate some of these uh, individuals. Maybe with the rise of websites like Parler and the expansion of alternative platforms, these companies are going to realize they're losing market share because of their bias. This may be our path out. Section 230 reform. But it only happens if the Republicans get in. I'm sorry, that's just the reality because the Democrats are not in favor of this. They're just rolling with the far left. Well, I don't know if you're willing to speak up, but these people were. And that's the, that's, that's the first step, I suppose. So hopefully people will continue to defend themselves. And that's what I want to see. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Adios.